I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back. You're listening to KSL News Radio. I'm Greg Scordis, along with my co-host Todd Weiler, and you're listening to Live Mike. We're filling in today, obviously, for Lonsbury, and uh, enjoying this so far. Uh, we we talked at the yeah. last segment about the uh, governor's uh, recent press conference. It was this morning at eleven o'clock, talking about relaxing restrictions a little bit, uh, Todd, on the uh, coronavirus sort of just the restrictions that we have in recognition maybe for uh, the fact that uh, people are going to get together at Thanksgiving anyway. But there's a study that I want to talk about that was done by BYU researchers that's published uh, in today's Deseret News, uh, or maybe Sundays. Um, Two-thirds of Americans are supportive of getting the COVID-19 vaccine once it becomes available, but they're concerned about the side effects. And I think that there's no secret to the fact that this vaccine has been rushed through the scientific community the testing community the 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 test and trace community more than more than just about anything but maybe it's one of those means to an end kind of things that we we just got to we just got to try to do something um yeah we we actually we absolutely have to do something greg and I think the question for me is, what will people do now? Because, of course, anything the governor says is likely unenforceable. I mean, how do you – I mean, if, if people in mass decide not to follow the governor's um, guidelines, h- how do you do that? I mean, we don't have the jail space, whatever. So a lot of this, like speed limits, it's really dependent on what will people follow. And unfortunately, we, we were really strict – last March and April when our case count was just a fraction of what it is now. But I think a lot of people are tired of it and, um, and, and they just want to get back to their lives at the same time. Um, you know, we still need to protect the most vulnerable in our population. So it's, it's such a difficult, um, you know, uh, needle to try to thread, you know, and I think all of us know taught someone, uh, whether it's a, a, a restaurant that we enjoy coming to or another um, a retail establishment that we've enjoyed that has had to shut their doors. And it's just tragic. I mean, you and I are fortunate enough to work in a career uh, where we don't have to deal with the public too much. Uh, we're able to wear masks in our office. I mean, we, we now wear masks even if we're just in our own private office if somebody else walks in. And, you know, who knows when we're going to have to shut down again, and hopefully that, that won't occur. But I want to mention some things about this uh, survey that was done by Qualtronics. Um, they interviewed 316 participants across the U.S., and this is a BYU uh, scientist study. Um, and they were selected by age, race, and sex to sort of accurately reflect the national census data. 68% of those surveyed said they were supportive of being vaccinated for COVID-19. 16% said they were absolutely not, and another 16% said they weren't sure yet. They they didn't know quite what to do. And a lot of people are afraid of the side effects. I mean, do you feel like we're rushing this or do you think we really don't have any choice? I don't think we're rushing it. I don't think we can do enough to try to save the most vulnerable populations. As I was looking at the deaths today, 
Uh, three of them, uh, three of the four were in the over 65 to 84 category, uh, which is pretty common on every day. The, the fourth one was between 45 and 64, so we don't know if they were 45 or 64 in between. But I don't think I don't think it's premature per se. I think the more knowledge we have, the more information we have, the more we empower people to make good decisions. Um, another thing, as as the vaccine starts becoming um, available, it goes without saying that there are going to have to be decisions made as to who is provided that vaccine first um, and, and who's going to make that decision, whether it's the state, whether it's the, the feds, or whether it's the uh, sort of just our, our health department people. Uh, but it, it seems to me, Todd, that we've got to at least take care of our first responders and our hospital personnel before we start dealing with the uh, lawyers and truck drivers and blue oh i agree i agree um and you know it seems like um when it comes to the actual policies i don't know that the federal government has any actual constitutional authority to to tell the states what they have to do but certainly they have funding authority and they can send you know once the vaccine's available they can send it to the states that are you know maybe willing to sign on to their um, to, to their policies and whatnot. But it, it is going to be interesting. And no matter who gets the vaccines first, uh, I think you're going to hear, you know, a lot of complaints about it. So I, I'm concerned, A, about how they dis- distribute the, the vaccines. I hope the medical workers and the elderly get it first. But B, I'm also concerned about, you know, how many people are going to say, I'm not, I'm not, taking that because I believe this conspiracy theory with Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates and they're trying to control my body. Um, I, I don't mean to imply any sort of get into your personal life or anything, Todd, but as a, as a family member, is it something that you would encourage your children, your relatives, people that you know well to take if the virus, if the vaccine comes out, if it, if it seems to be effective, if it's in the 90, 95% uh, effective rate? Is that something you would feel comfortable uh, talking to people that you love uh, about taking that vaccine? Yes. I would take it. I would encourage my family to take it. But I hope we never get to a point where the government is forcing anyone to to take it. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have to make some tough decisions here. My son's a a doctor, and he uh, uh, works at a hospital in near the Napa area. He's with the United States Air Force. And these doctors have actually had meetings. He's one of the assistant uh, medical directors of the orthopedic unit there. They've had meetings talking about how they're going to um, apply vaccines once it becomes available, who who gets them. And more sadly, they're, they're, they've actually had meetings talking about how what level of care people will get once the number of injured guests, once the number of, of people who are hospitalized outnumbers the people that can take care of them. I mean, this is something that I think a lot of us didn't didn't expect. And even in Utah, where we sort of felt like we had the numbers down, uh, now they're basically off the charts. And I don't know, is if, and I'm sort of rambling here, but is that is that a factor of just sort of the, the we're free, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Nobody's going to tell me to wear a mask. Or Why do you think it is that we've just gotten so far out of hand? With our numbers, I mean, why do you suppose it is that Utah, you know, we're down below 400, and now we're 
averaging 3,000 new cases a day. I mean, was that something where we just, just were just too proud to wear masks? I mean, it seems like such a simple thing to do. And, I, and I've advocated for it, but, I, I mean, I'll admit that I'm not the person that's always uh, wearing my mask 24-7. We may have lost Todd here. Um, we're talking about this study that was done by uh, some BYU scientists, and it was published recently in the Deseret News, uh, interviewing some 316 participants uh, nationwide. Uh, this was done by Provo-based Qualtronics about what people thought about the vaccine, whether they would participate in the vaccine, and sort of what their fears are. Um, 20% of those surveyed say they are worried about side effects, and actually 63% said they were concerned about side effects. 20% said they felt that the potential was that the side effects could actually be worse than getting the COVID-19. So we're going to have some hard questions here. And I know a lot of people, and it's not funny at all, but a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to have some other people take the vaccine first and sort of see how that shakes out um, and and see what happens. Uh, myself, I think I'd be first in line if the vaccine became available and and try to try to get that part of it over with. I mean, I, you, you, you've got to trust uh, the FDA and the Center for Disease Control and the medical professionals in this country right now. You've got to trust that given the, what, nine, ten, almost getting close to a year that this virus has infected our world, that some great minds have gotten together and figured out that this is something that we need to do. I would be interested in knowing, and if we had a doctor on the call, whether this 95% effective rate, how that compares with our with our uh, flu shots that we get. I mean, is that a good number? At first, when I heard that, I thought, well, that's not very good. 5% of the people, it doesn't help. But maybe uh, given vaccines and where we are in America right now, uh, that's a good number. So hopefully those numbers will uh, will increase. Hopefully the, the vaccine will continue to, to be uh, studied. And hopefully it will be made available to the millions and millions and hundreds of millions of people that are going to need it. When we come back... After this break, we are going to talk about some of the uh, just surprises, if there are any, in the, in the election the cycle that we just had, especially here in Utah. Um, I'm joined by Todd Weiler, United, Utah State Senator. I'm Greg Scordis. So we've got two lawyers, and we've sort of got different sides of the political equation. We'll talk about that right after this break. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts. 